This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... Today's show, we get to have a great a great guest who's written a book about a real-life story. You're going to want to listen and watch this entire episode. It is heartwarming, it is heartfelt, and it's also a very dangerous thing of what can happen to somebody I'm just totally unaware of. Uh, but uh, um, with that, uh, we're going to be talking with uh, uh, Michael Schnabel, who's written the book Daddy's Girl, and he's got some other stuff that we're going to talk about. But first, Eric, how are you? Hey, good afternoon, Kevin. I'm doing fine. Happy Wednesday to you. Happy Wednesday to you. I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're here because somebody else isn't and we'll wait to see if you know in this day and age of uh modern technology sometimes uh the internet doesn't behave properly. So and, you're of course referring to your regular Wednesday co-host Mitch which yes. I I'm sure he'll he'll pop on here. Uh, one of these, <laughs> one of these moments here very soon. So currently he's AOL. So we'll we'll have to see what happens to him. But but uh, what the weather? What's the weather going to be like for us this week? Oh, it looks like a, another beautiful week ahead, and uh, warming up back uh, to almost eighty on Saturday. So uh, yeah, in, enjoy it. We're in the tail end of summer, but uh, boy, it uh, could scarcely be nicer. Are we into what would be called Indian summer yet, or is that in the fall? I think we're still officially summer at the moment uh, until the fall equinox. So I, I think we're just in the tail end of summer, as I said. Well, very nice, very nice, and I'm I'm glad you're here, Eric, and and uh, to help me um, uh, run the ship here because uh, Michael Schnabel is with us. He is an author of note. He is really um he's written a book called daddy's girl and uh, why don't we go ahead and bring him on and uh we'll we, we can talk about the book and uh all the things that are going on with him michael welcome to the show how are you sir i'm doing well kevin thank you very much for having me on i appreciate it oh no i'd love to have you here i'm glad you're here uh because my anyway, uh, I, I'm really am glad you're here because you and you've been on the show before and um, near the end of the show, I'm going to talk about one of the other episodes that I was able to do with you and your family. Yes. Um, and it, it, it was and I told this story to a number of people and it really is a, a heartfelt uh, moment in time for me. Uh, but before we go there, uh, Daddy's Girl, tell us about daddy's girl well uh when my daughter was uh my daughter stephanie was 27 years old she uh was pregnant with her only child uh had a difficult pregnancy and uh we took the baby early uh healthy baby boy that was wonderful we were so elated and excited at our first grandchild and then two weeks later she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and uh with liver involvement so that meant she had, uh, according to the American Cancer Society statistics, that meant that she had about an 8% chance of living five years. So we were devastated. 
And my daughter was very afraid. Uh, she was afraid of dying, but much more afraid of not being around for her baby boy and the fact that her baby boy would uh, may never know her. And uh, that was really, really difficult for her. When we got this diagnosis, uh, Steffi shared that with me. And um, so I decided as her father that I would try to capture what we were going through for this child in case he never knew his mom. So I started doing a daily uh, blog in a, um, uh, in an, I actually just in a word file, I just started uh, uh, doing a journal. And as I went through that, I found that it was a way to go ahead and capture not only what we were going through, but also to go ahead and park some of these things and get them kind of out of my head. And so I could kind of move on. That night was very difficult when we got the uh, diagnosis and uh, we weren't sure what to do. I, I doubt that very many people would have an idea of what to do. We were seeing a surgeon uh, two hours after we uh, got the diagnosis, trying to make a decision for surgery that was gonna take place and like 12, 14 hours later. And all of a sudden we realized that any decisions that we might be making could be life or death decisions. And so it was very difficult for us. As a, um, as a family, we had Stephanie there, we had the baby boy, Caden, we had her husband, Mark, my wife, Colleen, and myself. And as we stood there and looked at each other, I could see that we were all just struggling, but no one was struggling more than Stephanie. She was at the epicenter of this problem. And so taking a look at my business background, I knew that you couldn't just sit around and worry about something, that you couldn't react to it, that you really needed to go ahead and start defining it and then start working to overcome it. And so I stood up and I said, this is what we're going to do. And I talked about the fact that we were gonna form a team around Stephanie and she was never gonna be alone because I realized she was at the epicenter of this. We were all reacting to this, but it was happening to her. It was her life that was in jeopardy. And so I wanted to go ahead and to show our support for her. We told her we would take her to the best doctors in the world that we could find. We would go ahead and never let her be alone. We'd be with her on every appointment in every hospital bed. We would uh, uh, never leave her alone. And slowly, just by forming that team, that support team around my daughter, things started to move forward. We talked to a surgeon. He gave us four options for the surgery. Uh, he said he was gonna do the one that we wanted, the easiest one, if possible. But he said the fourth possibility was that he opens her up and it spreads so much that uh, she won't even be able to, he won't be anything he can do and he'll just close her back up. So it was a very dramatic, uh, emotional time for us. And uh, fortunately, uh, the next morning we moved forward we had the surgery. He was able to go ahead and uh, remove her colon. And her colon had so many polyps in it, they called it uh, carpet polyps. So it'd be like looking over the top of shag carpeting. And then she had a number of uh, massive uh, tumors. So they took her colon, reattached her uh, uh, small intestine, and tried to give her a uh, outcome that would be, you know, fairly normal as far as her lifestyle. And that was the beginning 
of the healing, the beginning of us stepping forward. We went ahead and formed a team, formed of uh, some very special oncologists. We went to a number of them before we found the ones that were the right fit. We went to two of the um, world's best known uh, cancer research centers. Uh, the first one wasn't really working for us, so we went ahead and went to a second. And uh, we eventually put together a dream team. Uh, when we went to the Mayo Clinic, Stephanie's oncologist that the first day said, I will never be able to tell you that you're cured. And that was very difficult to hear. But four long, hard years later, he brought us in and he said, you're cured. And it was just amazing. I mean, we, we just couldn't even believe it. The second thing he said is he knew I was writing this journal and he said, Mike, would you please do me a favor? He said, one of the things my patients need the most is hope. And it's very difficult to provide that sometimes when they've got the odds against them. Stephanie's story provides hope for others. He knew I was writing this journal to my grandson and he asked me to go ahead and make it public because it would help other people. And so that's where Daddy's Girl came from. And I took the journal and rewrote the story and it's called Daddy's Girl, a Father, His Daughter, and the Deadly Battle that She Won. I can't imagine, and I don't know that anybody in our audience really can, <clears throat> what it's like to go from pure elation that you you had a brand new uh, member of the family, uh, Caden, that just, just was just born, and it was all exciting, and then and then to get this devastating diagnosis as the father who is clearly you are the patriarch of the family. How did you, how did you feel at that moment? It must have been a gut punch like no other. It really was. We had, um, I was the last one to hear the news because I was up in uh, Steffi's uh, hospital room with the baby while they were on, down when she was getting her uh, colonoscopy and they were finding out what was going on. So by the time they got to the room, they were already in shock. And so then they shared the news with me and things were moving very, very fast. And it was like, um, it was very much a helpless feeling. It was very much a, a uh, oh my God, this can't be happening. This can't really be happening. How can this be happening? But as a father, as a family, we are very close family. We have very strong love in our family. And uh, Stephanie has always been a daddy's girl. She's always been very, very close to me. So I really felt that I needed to be responsible for moving forward. And like I said, we put together this team of five with the people that were in that room with her husband and my wife and myself and this newborn. And um, you wouldn't think the newborn would be an ideal situation with someone that was facing death, but the newborn turned out to be an oasis for us because he wasn't affected by it. He just uh, did baby stuff, you know? He yawned and smiled and, and cooed and, and it was an escape for us. Uh, but in the beginning, we all were just dealing with it ourselves. And then when I talked about forming a team, we all started moving away from worrying about ourselves and worrying about our daughter. And when you've got a team supporting her, 
it just is incredible what starts to happen because you've got more minds, you've got more hands, you've got more ideas, and you've got people that can take a leadership role. I took a leadership role that night, but every member of the team would take a leadership role. Oftentimes, Stephanie was the leader of the team. Oftentimes, the baby, when we were all crushed, would be go ahead and give us this oasis away from everything and allow us to uh, escape the drama and just enjoy the child. Now, you've also written a uh, uh, little pamphlet that's uh, uh, like 99 cents. We're going to get into talking about that in a minute. Yes. Because it's, imp it's important because this was like a shot out of the dark. You, it was like nobody expected this. It wasn't like you, she was, and she's 27 years old for heaven's sake. Yeah. Yes. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect anything like that. And I just love one of the stories that you tell in the book is that uh, while searching for an oncologist, uh, you wanted to find the, the one that would meet her needs as they were for her, not as it was for everybody else or standard operating procedure or whatever. And this particular oncologist said, listen, you're 27 years old. You're strong. I'm going to take it to the brink of what I think you can handle so that because I, I can't do this with an 80 year old person, but I can do this with you because, and that was, I, I applaud you for finding that person who could really change the outcome or to help with the outcome. I, although I got to say that your family unit and being together and the way that you are and the love that you shared was also a huge component in the healing and putting it together. But that I applaud you for, for thinking about the best person possible. And I implore everybody when you're going through an issue like this, find, don't just take somebody, take the best person that you can find for your particular situation. Do you agree with that? Yes, I agree completely with that. We uh, had a quick uh, on, excuse me, we had an oncologist that we had a quick appointment with maybe uh, uh, a week after the surgery, because after the surgery, the surgery was a success, but um, they, they said there could be microscopic uh, uh, cancer. And so we needed to go ahead and get an oncologist and have chemotherapy, et cetera. And so they had made a suggestion to us and we went to this individual and sometimes you don't find the right person, but you learn a lot from that person. And we, uh, the first oncologist that we talked to uh, said that he had an algorithm that he used for everybody. And don't worry about it. Uh, you'd come in every two weeks, uh, spend two hours in his clinic, and that would be that. And don't worry about it. And as we asked questions, he was pretty much condescending and just continued to not want us to be part of any of the decision making or even understanding exactly what he was going to be doing. So as we walked out of there, again, the team of five was all together. It was great because we sat down and talked together and said, what do you think? And we all agreed it wasn't the right fit, that he didn't uh, recognize the situation and was really talking down to us and, it's not, and we knew we could do better. We had an opportunity to go to a, um, a large research center, world known, and um, we ran into some additional oncologists and again, we didn't quite feel like it was the right fit, but we learned from each one of these scenarios. They were talking about because of her age and because of her strength, the, the uh, chemotherapy that we could get involved with, and they helped us set that. 
uh, very aggressive therapy. And then um, I got in touch with my uh, company. I worked for a pharmaceutical company and I co contacted some of the people in our oncology division and started asking them about a local physician in Kansas City. And I told them exactly what I wanted. I want somebody that was cutting edge, that was uh, doing research, that was uh, involved, that would be able to connect with my daughter. And uh, they gave us a name. Uh, my wife uh, uh, is an RN. She uh, got the appointment set up and everything started falling together with that because this woman was amazing, as you had said, because she said, as you had stated, she said, we're going to take this chemo cocktail and it's going to be higher doses. It's going to be more frequently, but we're going to deliver it in a way that's going to help you. We were in, every time she had chemo, she was in for seven to eight hours. They would start multiple medicines, four or five medicines that just countered the side effects of the chemotherapy because the chemotherapy can be really difficult and hard. And so then we went, uh, we went through the day getting, uh, I think, three or four different chemo drugs. And then we left with a pump where that uh, pump would go ahead and give more chemotherapy for the next two days. So we found a place where this female oncologist, uh, Dr. Joaquin Veranda, uh, just really connected with the family, connected with, uh, with my daughter, and uh, she had children of her own, and she was just a godsend. We just felt so positive about having her. As things moved forward, we needed some additional surgery. Uh, there was liver that was involved. We found some additional cancer there. And so then we started working also with the Mayo Clinic, and we worked with a great oncologist up there. And um, uh, Dr. Grothy uh, helped us. And like I said in the beginning, he said he'd never give, uh, be able to say that she's cured, but eventually he did. It was a difficult journey, but we learned a lot along the way. And one of the things, as you mentioned, is don't just accept things. You know, this is your life that you're dealing with. You have the right to ask questions. You have the right to be involved in, in things. And my daughter was so good about this because she wanted to do the most aggressive treatment, uh, the most aggressive therapies, whether it was surgery or whatever, there was just no questions. Let's do it. Let's get moving on it. Let's keep moving. I need to live for this child. And I think that's, that's really an important part of this story is the baby. Because each of us wants to live. Each of us is willing to fight for our lives. But I think sometimes when something beyond yourself is what you're fighting for, you even fight harder. And that's what she was doing. She was fi fighting to make sure that this child had a mom. You know, I have to tell you, one of the coolest things I've ever done um, with Positive Talk Radio or with my Independence Report or any of it was that um, second time that you were on that on the podcast, mm -hmm. I got to sit with you and Stephanie and 17-year-old Caleb. Right. That was that was in in my mind, I the coolest thing ever because that woman is so strong. That kid and her have a bond like no other, and it it was really awesome to see um, that life can continue, and and it can it can have a positive outcome. So that's and that's one of the reasons why you're here is that. Um, by the way, we're talking with uh, Michael Schnabel. He's written the book, Daddy's Girl. I highly recommend getting that book. And we're going to be talking in the second half of the show. We're going to be talking about his, uh, 
pamphlet that he's written uh, to, to talk about how to do things when you, a crisis situation comes up. You get you say it much better than I do, so we'll <laughs> have we'll <laughs> we'll get into that. But I got to tell you, was there ever a time when the five of you were together? And I know that she she lost her colon, and then and then you found spots on her liver. Was there ever a time when you were like, "Good God, isn't that enough? Hasn't she gone through enough?" You know, it's funny, Kevin, you're absolutely right. We we never saw the problems coming until they were right at our doorstep and right in our face. And there were a lot of ups and downs. And um, what we found, though, also was that we had a very, very strong faith in the family. And I always believed that we had faith. We all did. But you never know how much faith you've got until it's tested. And slowly, we really started realizing that Every negative thing that happened usually turned out with the most positive outcome it could have. And we realized that that just wasn't just happening, that there was a guiding force, that there was something that was helping us. And uh, an example is uh, during the chemotherapy, she had some side effects. And um, uh, one night we were headed up to bed and she said her legs were really heavy and she couldn't even walk up the stairs. She had to crawl up the stairs. And as I was looking at it, I really didn't think too much about it. I went back to bed for a few minutes and then I thought, this isn't right. And I went back and turned the lights back on, looked at her legs, got my wife up, and we could see that her legs were very mottled. So they were they had like white and uh, red splotches on it. And so we got a hold of her oncologist. It was maybe one o'clock in the morning. And she said, get to the ER as quickly as you can. Sounds like a blood clot. So we went to the ER and told him our story. And we still had to wait for over an hour. And finally, when we saw a physician, that physician looked at us. She said, yeah, this looks like a blood clot. And uh, uh, if this uh, if a piece breaks loose, we could lose her immediately. And it got very, very tense for about a half an hour as we were waiting for this for someone to come and take a look with a sonogram and to go ahead and start getting meds ready and things like that. And we were told then that if we would have arrived four hours later, she would have been dead. Um, two weeks later, we went through a second similar issue with another side effect. This time it was sepsis. And she was starting to Oh boy. Uh, sure, her white blood clot uh, counts were down, and sepsis is something that uh, kills about a third of the people that get it. And again, we were told that if we hadn't gotten there, if we would have gotten there four or five hours earlier, uh, later, excuse me, we would have lost her. That was in two weeks. We had two of these episodes. In the beginning, it was like, oh my God, why is this stuff continue to happen? And I was surprised we never blamed God, we never got angry with God. We've always felt that the things that happen to us are, are things for us to learn and for us to understand and to grow from. And so as a family, we were really beside ourselves. And then we started changing our perspective. And we thought, you know what? God did get us to that ER before that four hours was up. And each time we saved her. And that changing in the way we looked at things in our perspective and trying to look for the positive really helped us. And throughout the book, the book is not about disease and the book is very uplifting. It, it sounds like we have all this drama and there's certainly drama in it, but it's very uplifting at the miracles that we had. And I, I don't say, I shouldn't say miracles. 
it's not a word we use, but the oncologist used it at the end that she was a miracle, that she was able to overcome this. But we had one thing after another that um, just came together without us doing very much and strangers coming into our lives that we didn't even know that were providing us help and direction and, and different things. Uh, it was just crazy. It was just, there had to be a force behind it. It was more, we prayed a lot. We had helped us. And um, uh, I'm not trying to be preachy or anything like that, but I tell you what, most people when they face death, get religious pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. It's like, Oh no, take this away. I promise to be a better boy. I, honest, you know, and, uh, but, <clears throat> but your point is really well taken because there is a there is a force in the universe there is a source and it was because of the i think it was a combination of the energy of the family bring coming together with the way that you guys came together in that there was no arguing about whose fault it might have been or or any of that it was we are going to work together as a team to get the best outcome possible and that allowed the energy to be there for other people to step in and they stepped in at the right time and were able to help you and and to get through it i i applaud you guys because it is and we're going to talk about this in the second half but it it is hard it is really hard with especially a 27 year old brand new mother who is facing her mortality and and with her husband and within her father and mother it's got to be just it must have been just devastating for you guys but at the same time it came through into being the greatest blessing and daddy's girl is going to help somebody else live through the exact same thing does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense and you know what just think about the people that you love. What wouldn't you do for them? So it was very difficult, the things that we had to do, but the mission was very easy to save her life. We were all in it, 100% into it. We would have given our lives for her. We would have done anything that we could. And between the uh, five of us, we got through it. But my daughter really went from being a victim to becoming a warrior. And like I said earlier, a lot of times she was the strongest member of the team. Um, she's an amazing woman. She was not going to be denied. Yep. She, she wanted, she really, really, really above everything else wanted to see, she wanted to be sitting there having an interview with me with her 17 year old son who was, he's a soccer player, as I recall. Yes. And he's, he's very gifted at what he does. And he's, she is now going to be there for him for when he graduates from high school and goes to college, when he gets married and is going to, she's going to have grandkids. It's just, it's just a really heartwarming story. And it's so different from what the outcome could have been. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The story isn't about disease. It's, it's really about parenting. It's about love. It's about faith. Uh, it's about the importance of supporting the people that are around you and helping those around you. Cause we had so much help from so many different people. It is remarkable. And, um, in the second half, we're going to talk about, uh, uh, the, the pamphlet that you, that you wrote and the name of it is. The name of it is living through a crisis, a guidebook for loved ones. 
Not that you know anything about living through a crisis, but we're <laughs> we're talking with Michael Schnabel. Go get the book, um, Daddy's Girl, and he also on on his website. We're going to talk about the pamphlet when we come back. We need to take a break real quick. Uh, you're listening to Positive Talk Radio uh, right here on KKNW 11:50 a.m. Hey, PTR loyal listener. First, thanks for being in my dream, and second. I have a new concept in business to share with you. It's called socialpreneurship. So what's that? Well, it's the idea that any company designates all profits beyond expenses to be awarded to a local or international charity or project, which is working to achieve good in the world. KM Media is such a company. We believe that it's important for us to give back whenever possible and to make great things happen. So I hope you'll join us in creating this new business model that will positively impact all of us. In the next few weeks, we will lay out the plan and begin our fundraising efforts. So stay tuned for more details right here on Positive Talk Radio. When you want to say more than words, communicate. You can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey, thanks for listening to Positive Talk Radio. Did you know that we're also a media production company? Well, surprise, we are. We can create all kinds of audio, video products to fill any need. Please visit kmmedia.pro backslash our dash store for a complete list of products and services. In addition, do you need a great voice to add to your own website or any other project? I know that we can add depth and quality to your work. I've been told more times than I can count by many professionals in the business that my voice adds to the quality of the presentation. So let me create something for you. Please contact me at Kevin at KMmedia.pro and let's create something great. And welcome back to the second half of Positive Talk Radio. Right here on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. I'm so glad you're here. We've got Michael Schnabel talking with us, and he's written the book, Daddy's Girl. And it's all about, if you miss the first half, uh, you're going to have to go back to YouTube, and you're going to have to watch it because it's important. Uh, it's about his 27-year-old daughter who gave birth and virtually at the same time discovered that she had stage 4 colon cancer and had to go through four years of hell to get to the other side which she now has not the not that other side but the other side of the sickness and is with us today and is the mother of a beautiful 17 year old boy who they're so proud of and they've got a great relationship and uh, it was a crisis and it was a big crisis and because of that uh, michael you've taken your time to write a little pamphlet for people to help them um work to get through the uh, crisis. Uh, tell us about the book. Well, it's interesting because when we started out, you know, you asked me earlier, uh, how did we you know, know what to do or how did we start moving forward and such? And we didn't have a clue. Even with uh, both my wife and I working with medical professionals, doctors, our whole adult life, 35 years, 
we still weren't sure what to do. We started asking, we asked uh, probably at least five different oncologists. We asked at two different research uh, centers, is there a guide that you could give us? Is there something that would be positive that would kind of point us in the right direction? And none of them had any idea. None of them had uh, any idea of what to suggest or anything, which really, really kind of floored me. So as a way of giving back, I thought I'd go ahead and put together my own document. And it's uh, uh, very simple. It's a 40-page document. It's called Living Through a Crisis, a Guidebook for Loved Ones. And uh, this is on, it's an ebook. Uh, I was going to give it away on my website. And my uh, publisher suggested that we go ahead and put it on Amazon for 99 cents. That way it would be available to many more people. And it would be at a, it's the cheapest price that we could put anything on Amazon. And so um, it's, it's something that I believe is going to give back. And I've already gotten reports back from various people that have gotten it, that have read through it and made changes in their life based on what they had on this. It talks about how you go ahead and create a support team. Uh, some of the subjects are uh, what's the patient responsibilities? What are the caregivers responsibilities? Um, how do you go ahead and start planning? How do you go ahead and put together a plan to go ahead and attack this crisis that you're in? The importance of faith, the importance of forgiveness, and uh, how you deal with stress, how you deal with attitude. And um, so these are some of the subjects that it goes into. And it's not an, it's not an end all. It's not you know perfect. It isn't going to give you every answer to every question, but it gives you good guidance. Uh, for example, you know, my daughter and I are both cancer survivors. Mine was easy. Hers was very, very hard. I was able to do mine with the first surgeon I went through and take care of it. And uh, within a six-month period of time, it was done and it was over because it was a fairly simple situation with prostate cancer. But my daughter's was much more complicated. And because of that, and it was much more serious, the odds were against her. So then we had to take a look at moving to a research center. And so it's that kind of advice to help the people that are in a crisis uh, to kind of get some steps forward and, and know what to do and that type of thing. So it's my way of giving back. And um, I, I'm really, uh, it's really been exciting. It's really been rewarding to have a few people come back to me and say, based on what they read, um, they changed their physician because the physician was condescending to them. The, the physician was not uh, helping them in the ways that they thought, was talking down to them. And I know that one RN changed her doctor and she said, I'm so much happier and I feel so much more part of the process. Another physician was working with this small town, um, uh, small town physicians who didn't have a lot of experience in the problem that he had, but he never really thought about going to a research center. And he went to a research center. He went to the uh, University of Kansas um, uh, here in Kansas City in uh, their cancer center. And he said he learned more in 45 minutes than he had with the KU and what he could be doing about his disease and additional things that he could do to help himself than he had three years in the other place with the other physicians. Now, it wasn't those physicians were bad. He just needed somebody with more expertise. And you so know, this is what I hope happens. And thank you for writing that. I think it's very important. I am stunned, dare I say, I am stunned sitting here that something that is so prevalent in our country, which is um, a crisis like cancer, 
that there isn't a book that you would think that they would say, well, you know, it looks like you've got cancer. Here's a, here's a book on a crisis book on some steps that you can take to, uh, to help you through it. But there's nothing like that available. Well, there wasn't at the time when we looked and, and um, um, the only thing that we did find that was helpful to us was chicken soup for the cancer soul. And that was just something that had uh, one or multiple stories that were one or two pages long and they were positive outcome stories. And so that was good. And we found that that did help us. We were reading about people that did succeed. Um, and I don't know now with the internet, uh, this was 17 years ago, things change. And so there may be more things out there, but I know that, um, we had, uh, Stephanie and I had a chance to be at a, um, uh, a cancer, uh, fundraiser, uh, two weeks ago. And I had a chance to speak in front of about uh, 3,500 people. And as we were there and talking about it, that's the thing that I brought forward. And two of the physicians that were there, two oncologists that were there, uh, one oncologist, excuse me, one PhD, both ran cancer research centers. And both of them had a really high interest in this because they felt it could help their patients. And um, so it's getting the word out. And uh, like I said, this book isn't going to be the end all. It's not going to give you every answer, but it should be able to go ahead and help you along the way. And it's really good to, for the caregivers to go ahead and understand what their responsibilities should be. And it's really good for the patient to understand that they've got to remain pay, uh, positive, that they've got to have a good attitude, that they've got to look for the good things. And it points out a lot of obvious things like that. But when you're in the crisis, those things aren't obvious. And so, and having someone else show you these things sometimes is just what you need to continue to move forward. So that's my hope. I, 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 and I think it's, it, it's a great hope. And I, I hope everybody gets the book. It's only 99 cents. It's on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. And in Don't... fact, uh, daddy's girl is on sale on Amazon today for 16 bucks. It's normally uh, 20. So, uh, there we go. Another savings. <laughs> Exactly. Go, go get a two for two for it's a two for one. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it, I have to tell you, it's interesting because my brother passed from, uh, stage four lung cancer yes. three years ago and he was in the, the Eastern part of Washington and there really isn't a, um, cancer setting, like a cancer center, like yeah. Fred Hutch in Seattle and some yeah. of the world renowned cancer centers that are here. He never came over to the West side and so consequently he was not well informed about um as example he had a brain tumor well they decided to to uh, uh, operate on his brain so they got rid of that but he still had lung cancer and he had a large um, um tumor on his lungs that ended up taking his life because it went out throughout his body but they never talked to him about that in a in a really real kind of all right what do you want to do do you want to live or are you do you want to shut down that's up to you your choice yeah. but if you want to live then these are the people that you need to go see nobody yeah. was like that yeah you know it's it's interesting we all have our own journey and some of us feel more equipped than others uh some people are much more fighters than others uh and some people just don't get the the help that they need and the guidance that they need uh, there were so many people that we got to know along this path with my daughter that did not make it. 
Uh, she was reaching out to all kinds of people as she was um, uh, trying to be positive for them. And she would know these people. They'd, she'd know their kids' names, and um, a number of them died. And it was so, so devastating for her. And we kept saying, why? Why does this one live? Why does this one die? And we don't have answers for that. We, you know, you wonder, did they have the support team? Did they do everything they could? Did they take their medicine? And that's one of the things that's in this book, you know, under patient responsibilities, you've got to do what you're told. You know, if they're telling you to get on a diet, you get on a diet, quit smoking, you quit smoking. If they tell you to go ahead and uh, that you're going to need chemotherapy, do the chemotherapy. You know, my daughter was scared to death of the chemotherapy until she changed her perspective. She realized this is one of the only tools I've got to kill this damn cancer. And so then all of a sudden, instead of being afraid of it, it was like, okay, let's use this weapon. We're going to go ahead and this is going to be one of the things that I'm going to go ahead and fight back on. Changing your perspective is a huge uh, part of the human experience. If you, if you believe in a positive outcome and you work towards that, um, you can create that, don't you think? Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, as a society, you know, the divisiveness in this country and the world right now is just ridiculous. You know, and I think a lot of it is because of our perspective, our perspective of different people, of different uh, things, whatever it be, be whether it be uh, race, whether it be politics, whether it be religion, whatever. I think we need to stop looking at what's different about us and start looking at what's the same about us. Every one of us wants to live. Every one of us wants to see our family happy and our loved ones safe. Every one of us wants to strive to go ahead and to be successful in, in whatever. There are so many things that we have in common, and yet we go ahead and pick up other people because of uh, their belief or because of their color or because of their um, who they back and who they vote for. And it's just ridiculous. We've got to take a look at the common good and really start taking care of each other. There were so many people, like I said earlier, family, friends, and strangers that came out to help us. And we would not have had the same outcome had those people not come into our lives. And so I, I guess I'm sounding like a preacher now, but I really think that we need to take a look at the people in our lives that need our help right now and reach out to them. And it is so comforting and it is so rewarding to help other people uh, and do it the way you can. If you don't have the money, do it with your time. Do it with your caring. Cook a meal for somebody. You know, it's just it's just important that we all reach out and help each other. It's it's really is vital. And we are we have a tendency, or some of us do, that we are separate, that we are not the same. We are more alike than we are different. Yes. We're we are all um come from the same place. Yeah. We, we all, you know, there's some people would say that we are all one and we're, we're all one part of the human family. Doesn't matter what color we are. Doesn't matter who we love. Doesn't matter any of those things we care. We should be caring for each other. If we did that, Michael, think of how the world would change. If everyone took the attitude, I'm going to care and be kind to everyone I meet. That's one of my mantras is be kind. I agree. And it's not that difficult and it's own, it's its own reward. And sometimes you, you, it doesn't work and, and whatever, but uh, yeah, I agree with you completely. 
You can be kind to somebody who doesn't need to be kind back. If it, if you are not vested in the outcome, then it no longer doesn't matter because it doesn't matter as long as you are being kind and that they can ignore you or whatever. If you don't take it personally and don't get your ego involved, then none of it matters. You've done your part. That's yeah. all you can do is the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? We all stumble. We all make mistakes. We all, we're all, we all judge people and uh, we just need to be, increase our awareness and try and do better. You should see me driving my car. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But that's one of, you know, the things that I'm not, or I'm not perfect by any stretch because it's like, why did you cut me off? You, you know, and stuff yep. like that. So, but it's important for us because, and I like to use your family and I've used it many, many times, by Good. the way, I hope you don't mind me no. using your story because your story is so uplifting and so positive that this family got together and you said, no, we're not going to give up. And you've got a young lady that knew what, how all the things that she was going to have to go through and the amount of pain that she had to go through to get to the other side. And she said, bring it on. I can do this. I'm going to do it for my son. And, uh, it turned out to be, um, a, a marvelous example of the human spirit. And, uh, thank you. You're welcome. And one of the things I tried to do is, you know, I wrote this book. I edited it multiple times. In the beginning, it was an Oh My God book. And it had all the drama in it and such. And I knew I couldn't do the readers. So we did sprinkle a lot of other stories in there to add humor, uh, talking about uh, things that had happened to us as a family, as individuals. And so what I have found, uh, again, from reader comments, is that it's very well balanced and it's it's uh, it does have emotion in it but it's got humor in it it's got um, life lessons that i i put in there just for my grandson and uh, so many people are saying these are things that we can all that we all know most of them but we don't always practice them and it's simple things it's simple things that um, you just can go ahead and help uh, live a, a good life with you know, I have to tell you a quick story. One of the uh, folks that I work with, because we do positive talk radio, and I said, I've got a great guy that we're going to be talking to. It's He's written the book called uh, Daddy's Girl, and she had cancer at 27, and she had a brand new baby, and, and she, they were telling her she wasn't going to live. And she goes, all right, so how is that positive? <laughs> and I said, no, wait, 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 wait. You've got to wait till the end here because the end is she's cancer-free. She's lived her, she's living her life to the fullest. Is it always going to be cupcakes and roses? I suspect not. No. But you guys have got the intestinal fortitude to stay together and to make it work together. And that's how we succeed in life. Yeah, it's funny because I share this story with you and I, I've talked to other people that have interviewed me about the book. And when I was on that stage with 3,500 people, when I said that she was cured, they went crazy. All these people were screaming and clapping, and and um, my daughter said that there were people crying in the audience and such. And I've done enough public speaking that I don't make a lot of eye contact with individuals. I kind of sweep the audience, and uh, it, it just really, it really hit me. I was really surprised by the reaction because I've said this story so many times, and yet I've never gotten a reaction like that. Cancer brings people together 
And it doesn't matter who you are, what your age is, what your sex is, what your whatever is. It brings people together because it, it, it's an equalizer. You know, all these people that have experienced cancer and are fighting it, it kind of, it's kind of like a baby. You can take a baby into a room and that baby doesn't care about who's holding them, uh, what color they are, what religion they are, uh, what uh, uh, anything about them. All they want to do is be held and be cuddled and be fed and be changed. And that's that. They, they are not demanding. And I'm thinking we can learn an awful lot from the babies. We can. The the joy that children and, and even... Um... There's a there's a, a couple of singers. They're called Sisters J, and they did a uh, a music video um, uh, that was uh, called Breathe In, and they use special needs kids, people mm. with Down syndrome, and yeah. and they were happy and they were smiling, yeah. and the, their their set of needs are so different than those of us that go. Let's see. I've got this meeting tomorrow, and I have to come up with a deal. Oh boy! And the kids that did this, and they gotta go. Shot, they're golly, and they don't look at it the same way. They look at life as a gift, and and something to be enjoyed, and something to be uh, reveled in. And and if more of us had those kinds of an attitude, I think that we'd be a lot better off. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I can tell you this: we we've uh, reached out and helped a lot of family members since we've gone through this. And it's so rewarding. And people, first of all, a lot of times they say, I can't believe you're doing this. And uh, because they don't expect it. And it's just so rewarding in its own way. And and it's, uh, it's one of the reasons we've been put on this world, I think, in this or on this earth to go ahead and to try and help those people around us. I think what's one of the reasons we're here. I couldn't agree more. By the way, we've been talking with Michael Schnabel and get his book, which is called Daddy's Girl, and also the crisis book, which is called Living Through a Crisis, a guidebook for loved ones. And you can either uh, Google uh, author Michael Schnabel and um, these things will come up or you can go to my website, authormichaelschnabel.com. And uh, you can connect with those. Amazon, like I said, has them on sale right now for uh, a lower, lower price, but you can get them Barnes and Noble um, and uh, many other bookstores. What I like to say is if there's a local bookstore in your neighborhood and they're struggling a little bit, go ask them to buy the book and maybe you'll pay a little bit more, but you'll be helping a local business survive. And uh, I think having local bookstores that are not the big box things are really cool because it's a one-on-one yeah, -on -one connection. Yeah, I agree. One of the other things that's happening that's really exciting for me is book clubs are starting to pick it up. And uh, there's been a, a couple of times that Steffi and I have actually uh, done a Zoom call with them afterwards. And that was so much fun because um, uh, people that are exposed to the book love it. And I'm not trying to brag. Uh, the critics, the uh, professional critics, have really been kind to me. Uh, the you can look at the reviews on um, uh, Goodreads and on uh, Amazon.com and such, and uh, people are just really, really kind about it. But I'm all about trying and help others, and I believe this book is helping people. And this guy, this other one, this uh, living through a crisis, I believe, will also help people. And if I can give back a little bit. I mean, we got the prize. Our daughter is healthy. She's alive. Our grandson, we, we've got a, a very tight family. So we've gotten all of our rewards. It's just time to give back. 
And by the way, sir, brag, please brag, because you've you've done a, a great service for a lot of us. And and if you are going through a crisis, pick up the crisis book. If you are, if you're looking for a book to really uplift you, and I get it, having stage four cancer is not necessarily an uplifting topic, as my associate will tell you, but the outcome is, and yeah. the outcome is family is king, being together, forming a community. And by the way, that doesn't have to be, if you don't have blood relatives, that yeah. doesn't mean that you can't get together a group of people who care about you, who love you and form together this community to build something great for yourself. Yes. And there's a lot of advocacy, advocacy groups out there. Uh, talk to your physicians and the nurses and see if they've got people that can help you put together a team. There's other ways to do it. We were fortunate enough to have all the moving pieces there that night and, uh, and form our own team. But I know other people may not have uh, be that fortunate. So talk to your healthcare providers and advocacy groups, and they may be able to help you. And if you know somebody that is going through that, um, how would you recommend opening up that conversation? Would it, would it be appropriate to say, uh, I love you. How can I help? Yeah, I think it's as simple as that is, is, um, yeah, I've told, I've mentioned this story before. If you're facing death, if you're facing uncertainty, it's like a big bully that's there about ready to beat you up and you don't know what to do. You're scared, you're worried about it, and you don't know what to do. And if someone comes up and stands beside you and says, hey, you're not alone here, I'm gonna fight this together, it makes a huge, huge difference to that, difference to that person. And so that's all you have to do is, is make yourself available and let them know that you do care about them and that you will try to help them. And uh, it makes all the difference in the world. And you're right. Staring death. If you are not uh, real grounded in who you are, staring death in the face and doing it alone can be, can be a, a horribly scary experience. Um, if, but if you have a team around you and people that say, Hey, look, regardless of the outcome, I'm here for you. Yeah. Because a lot of people are scared of, of being around people like it's going to they're going to catch death. Yeah. You, you know, and so realize you're not going to catch anything. Um, by the way, again, we've been talking with Dr. Michael or not doctor. I wish you were a doctor. You know, you're close to a doctor. You're in the medical profession for a long time. Uh, Michael Schnabel, uh, get daddy's girl and also the crisis. Living through a crisis, a guidebook for loved ones. I didn't write that down, which is why you have to say it. <laughs> it's all right. So uh, I really appreciate you being here. Say, give Stephanie a hug for me, would you? I will do that, Kevin. Thank you. I bet she's listening. I I hope so. And uh, she's she is having had, again, and again, if you're just tuning in, Stephanie had cancer. It was stage four. She recovered. And I got to interview her and her 17 year old son after the it was all done it was the highlight of my radio career and i want to thank you for it oh it's very kind of you thank you it was it was great fun again uh get the book um daddy's girl with uh michael schnabel is the author yeah go to author michaelschnabel.com yeah and so thank you for being here and, and we'll see you on friday everybody and by the way be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. We'll see you Friday at noon.